episode three. Episode three, and you know what? Three, surprisingly, this is I've only just realized this, but three is is the magic <laughs> number. So for episode three, there's not there's not just two of us today. For episode three, we've got three. There so, are three. Welcome. Are you gonna do that every episode? More more <laughs> so so just... yeah, next next week we've got to have so really for episode one it should have only been one of us. Um and let, let's be honest, it would have been me. No, it would have been me. Um, <laughs> I was um, the most interesting person in episode. You one, were the most. Yeah, no, no. Um, anyway, but no. For episode three, we are we have extra special guest, um, Jamie, Brian. Hiya. Hello, Jamie. <laughs> Hiya. How are you excited to to be on the, on the 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 um what's this podcast called, Peter? <laughs> is it the Why brothers? Don't you know Brian? the name of your podcast? Is it, no, is it the brothers Brian or the Bryant brothers? It's, it's called. The, the, it's called the Brothers Bryant. The Brothers Bryant have we have a new brother, whose second name isn't Bryant. From another Is Bryant a noun as well. No, no, no. It's like a play on the Brothers Grimm. Uh, I don't know what that is. Yeah. Which is, hold on. You don't know what you don't. You've never heard. Have you not? Bleh, I've heard you that never phrase heard the, before. But I've never the Brothers Grimm, as in the the original tellers of such fairy tales as, uh, Snow White, um, um. The, uh, the 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 one with the the girl. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that narrows it down. Uh, Little Red Riding Hood. Um, all the classic nursery rhymes. All your favourites. Uh, yeah, all all yeah. your favourites. Um, and and basically the original versions of them all. Hansel and Gretel. There's another one. The original versions of them all, written by these two blokes, um, Grimm. Um, and they were all with, with two M's. With two I M's, see. a Grimm mama, and they were all. Um, much more grisly than the than the modern versions. Like grisly so tales for gruesome yeah. kids. Yes, that? I mean, I mean, if you think, because you think about it, we we every single day a child learns about a girl who just goes for a walk in the woods and ends up getting eaten by a wolf, but then like cuts herself out of said wolf or something. Yeah. Is that I can't even remember the story. No, I, d- I don't think li- I don't think Little Red Riding I don't think Little Red Riding Hood. Has the cutting out of the wolf? I think the original one does, though. Um, does she get? Because because her her grandmother gets eaten by the wolf, yeah. And then the wolf disguises itself as the a grandmother. grandmother. Yeah, I remember that bit. I remember that bit. That's no, iconic. I remember that that was uh, that was in. What did I have that was um, to do with Little River Riding Hood? Oh yeah, yeah, A level business was... studies, yeah. Yeah, probably yeah. No, I probably had a book and I just remember the picture of like the cartoon of the wolf dressed up as a grandma. Yeah. Yes, I, I think like we, we, we may well have had the, the same the same book. It's interesting how in, in, in the UK, so there's lots of fairy tales that have wolves in them. Um so there's um the Little Red Riding Hood, there's uh, the boy who cried wolf. Now for, for British or uh, English um, children, I don't think that's that's very uh, realistic or very relevant. I've never seen a wolf, to be fair, because there are no wolves in this country. Yeah. Do you think? Do you Not think wild. it's because um, a lot of our culture is derived from like Scandinavian and and well, yes. Germanic culture, and and we've borrowed their fairy stories as well? Yeah, we couldn't be bothered to come up with our own, so we thought, yeah, yeah, there aren't any wolves over here, but we'll we'll tell stories about wolves. Anyway, what are you going to do? Like, I, the, I think it'll be, mu- mu- no, it'll be much more. Golden Labrador. <laughs> <laughs> like... it, Little Red Riding Hood would have been much, much sweeter if if Little Red Riding Hood. Had... I wish she had a real name so that I didn't have to say Little Red Riding Hood every single time. Like, she turned up to the house and there was just a, <laughs> and there was just a, a golden retriever just in a frock, just in the bed, just being like, "Hi." I, I just being really been... nice. It didn't even eat it... a grandma or anything. It was just being really nice, and that just was the end of the story. Just being really... Yeah. We we should write our own. The brothers Bryant should ha- should come. Are up we with writing a, with, a book now? We'll write a book, um, an antithesis to um, to the brothers Grimm, where, where all the all the fairy tales have have really happy endings. Um, but yeah, but fairy tales do all have happy endings. That's why that's that's a that's a pillar of the genre. Is well, that they as, all as have in, happy the, endings? The, <laughs> as in originally, as in as opposed to the. The brothers, the brothers Grimm. How does how does Red Riding Hood end then? How does that how does that end? Uh, she tries all the porridge and she only likes one of them. I think that's that's not. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I think we're getting confused here. This this is what Shre- <laughs> this, this is what this is what Shrek has done. Yeah, Shrek has made it very difficult to keep track of which fairy tales are a witch. Um, it's interesting witch, though, because because you you make a you make a good point about um, most fairy tales are not are not rooted in English culture. Are there any are there any fairy tales that you could you could say yes this is like a this is like an English fairy tale that's definitely set in England. Drunken sailor. That's um, not a fairy tale. <laughs> the the uh, Pied Piper does that count as a as one? That's literally that, famously that's... set in Germany. Is it? All <laughs> oh, right, the, never mind. The Pied Piper of, of Hamlin. Hanover. Oh, Hamlin. Yeah. Oh, Hamlin. Sorry, not. Hanover. So I'm so currently I'm the only one who has any reputation, any knowledge about fairy tales because Jamie thinks well, that the Pied Piper was fairy, fairy was set in. I bloody came on, did I? <laughs> it's just general. Did you not I'm, do your homework, Jamie. I'm, I'm sorry. You're not. You're not on my pub quiz team. Um, <laughs> after, 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 after this. Oh, goodness gracious, mate! Me. But yeah, ne- next by the next time we put. So by by the time episode four it goes on air, pubs will have reopened in England. They will have done, hopefully, which and is then, very exciting to you me. Know, two weeks after that, they'll be closed again. <laughs> um, I'm bu- I'm hopefully not on the first day that they open. Are you? After one. Yeah, yeah, on the nice. I'm, Yeah, I might, I might book, book a, book a table, an outdoor table. I'm worried about the weather though. That's the problem because, like, I don't want yeah. my first experience at a, at a pub in months to be miserable and cold and wet. Yeah, that's, just that's, cl- that's clutching my beer. That's a British fairy tale for warmth. Yeah, oh. <laughs> that is, is a, that, a very yeah. British story. Very, a very British it story. Looks like next Monday there is a high of. Oh, this is in Normanton, so I don't know if that's. Uh... Particularly, uh, well, Normanton, as we all know, has has its own unique biome, um, <laughs> its own true. unique ecology. Um, it looks like a high of ten and a low of one, so perfect. That sounds not nice. Particularly warm. I well, think... I've not I've not booked to go to the pub because I don't have anyone to go with. Um, come 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 with me, mate. Oh, co- oh, oh, that to be honest, You're I was pining for an invitation. We've already, we've already got six. Yeah, so, so I don't think I have six what? friends who live in York, so. No, neither do I. Um, Not. Does Dino count? Maybe Dino counts. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, it is interesting about what what was I saying? Fairy tales. How 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 we've imported our fairy tales? Because I think most of most of British culture is imported. It's a hundred percent imported. Won't be anymore now. All this Brexit stuff. <laughs> but, but now <laughs> we are taking back anymore. control. Now we're exporting. Anymore. I think I think I think fish and chips might be the most British thing that exists. Uh, do you know what I was? I was about. I was. I was trying to think. No, Peter's definitely wrong here. I'm going to try. Surely, and... like, no, I can't queen. think of the Queen. The Queen, is, the well, queen no, is no. The Queen is German. The royal family are German. God, I know <laughs> of, of German descent. You do, Jamie, you're not very good at knowing whether things are German or English. <laughs> well. <laughs> There's there's a lot of crossover. Wait, Jamie, here's a question: Who won the Second World War? Not Germany. Correct. Not Germany. Well Famously. Famously, not Germany. Not left yeah. Wait, who who won? Okay, here's an, here's another. Who won the 1966 football World Cup? I'm surprised you know that. To be honest. What, excuse me. <laughs> I did GCSE history. It was. It's wow. you know, it's a fact. So I, I want to know it. It's the only it's the only football result I can solidly, and adamantly say yes. I know definitely for a fact that in the final of the 1960s, blah blah blah, that 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 England won. No other football game in history can I go. They they won over them because, hmm. and I, I'm this is controversial but brave. I couldn't care less. <laughs> football is English slash British. Football's right, it and it's a very old sport. Um, so was, the origin was it not invented in the in the UK or or at least I I think well I imagine I imagine lots of cultures around the world have independently of each other come up with a game where you have to kick a ball around a field and score it between two posts. It seems like a pretty easy game mm. to come up with. Um, Modern football originated in Britain in the nineteenth century. There you go. Well, I think now because I I have watched every episode of Horrible Histories. Uh, and I think, and that qualifies you to talk about the entirety of history. <laughs> <laughs> Terry Nation has given me a, an honorary um, PhD in, in 
obscure and slightly comical facts about history. Um, I think it had its origins in the Middle Ages, where two villagers, there weren't any rules, but two villagers, as in not not villagers, villagers, like populations of two villagers, um, yes. would basically get like kick a pig's bladder just between their two villagers, and there wouldn't be like a, a proper feel like a defined feel that would just be between the two villages and like people used to die like i trying feel to... like that's still yeah. a, like a tradition that happens where the wherever those two villages are because i feel like i've heard about that before it's pro- it probably still goes on not, in, not necessarily in, some... in terms of people dying and all that but i'd hope not although have you heard about shin kicking have you heard about this? This is, have, this is a Yorkshire watched, thing. I think I've watched a video about that as well. This is a Yorkshire thing. Tell, tell um, me about this. I've not heard about this. Shin kicking is the most grotesque... What do you think happens, Peter? Yorkshire, <laughs> like, I'm going to... Like, masculine, toxic masculine thing like I can think of. Basically, you get clogs on that have got little shards of uh, metal on the end of them. Oh, my God. Um, like, like, sort of spiky. Uh, and you wear them and you... Uh, you grease up your legs with lard um, and then you hold on to your opponent and you basically take it in turns to kick each other in the shins. And the lard is there as a safety precaution to like increase the chance of a glancing blow rather than just a direct like shot into the shin. And uh, basically they do it until one of them gives up. <laughs> so it's just two blokes it's like, probably. It's like, did you ever play Knuckles in school? Oh, 100, yeah. And slaps. It's like that. It's, yeah. Or whoever bleeds first lose, loses kind of thing. I don't, think we, went, so... I don't, I don't think we went that far. Yeah, well, I just I never... I, I, I have never understood, like, why you would voluntarily participate in something like that. It's, I, I, I can't it's, understand it's the of, psychology behind that. It's a show of masculinity, which is why presume, I understand I why you can't get into it. A lot of tradition as well. Like, if, mm. if you dad did it, and you did it one year, then... Your son's seen you do it, and then it's like maybe it just continues in the family, and then yeah, it just never stops. Presumably, why it's still around because no one would invent that today and make it no. an event. Surely, <laughs> I imagine the health and safety must be an absolute nightmare these days. Like, but the, the my favorite thing about sign a waiver. Yeah, my favorite thing about um, shin kicking is what you shout when you want to give up. You shout sufficient. <laughs> I, mean, I, have, I have been sufficiently attacked, shin kicked. <laughs> but like you. you, you can imagine, like you know, where sort of in in the origins of shin kicking, you can imagine like people in in the places where they do it. I think it was a Yorkshire tradition, like walking around. The blokes all walking around in shorts, and like the more scars you had on your shins, people would be like, "Wow, I'm not going to mess wow, with that, him." That guy, that guy can take some kicks. He, he can't. Yeah, <laughs> you should see gonna... the other guy. You should see the other guy. He's um, he's got notions. Okay, so so far the the British cultural pillars we have come up with are fish and chips, football, and shin kicking. That cheese rolling. Cheese, cheese the rolling. Che- the cheese rolling is is excellent. Actually, even though I'm in favour of cheese yeah. rolling. I wouldn't even participate though, personally, yeah. but I'm in favour of the tradition. I think I I think I'd probably there'd, there'd probably there'd be quite a lot of cheese particles in the air, so. It, be quite dangerous for someone of my persuasion um, <laughs> um but it, it's it's um the cheese there's some very interesting things about cheese um oh don't start so, me cheese fast, please. <laughs> um so um lots of cheeses that sound quite old are actually quite modern so um stinking bishop is a fairly modern invention you think that stinking bishop would be named after some you know, some bishop in the you know the Middle Ages or the Dark Ages. Who is it named ate... after the present Archbishop of Canterbury? Is that what you're telling me? He's not a stinky person, as far as I'm aware. Um... <laughs> if you sniffed the Archbishop of Canterbury, if he asked nicely, <laughs> I think I think he'd excommunicate you. Um, tell me what that means. <laughs> Excommunication is like is when you are um, when you are told you may no longer be a member of the church. Oh and dear! We will, we will never speak to you ever again. There is a piece of paper out there somewhere that says um, I'm a member of the of the um, Catholic Catholic Church. Yes, and um, and me. Yes, been you and the, I are the, both the, are both confirmed Catholics. The baptism, the the confirmation. Um, yeah. I think you'd remember if you had Jamie. No, but like, do you get it when you're baptized? No, 
Oh, right, okay. I don't you, know if they're so, baptized or not, to be honest. My, my understanding is, so that the Catholic Church says that they have like a billion members, and what they mean by that is a billion people have been, have, have um, participated in the confirmation ceremony. Yes. Which is which is the thing that you do when you're like thirteen or fourteen, when you say, "I, being a, a strong, independent young adult person, definitely want to be a member of the Catholic Church, and my grandmother is definitely not forcing me into it at all." Um, whereas, obviously, baptism in the Catholic Church, because it happens so early in your life, you are unable to consent, and so your godparents consent on your behalf for you to be baptized. Yeah. Although there's there's the whole denomination, the Baptists who believe that baptism should be done later in life. Yes. The ba- Baptists perform their baptism ceremonies I think um usually if if you're there if you're there, you know, in, at that time of your life around 30, mm. I think. And you get you get fully submerged in the baptismal fonts. So well, instead so, well, of yeah. In, so instead of the font being like a like a small bowl on a on a stone pedestal, it's literally a, a swimming pool, like yeah, a, a right. small swimming pool, and you just they take get in. they take you down to the local <laughs> Virgin Active, <laughs> and they say pay, if you if pay you, your ten pound guest fee, pay your ten pound guest fee. They say right, get your get your speedos on. We'll pay for the locker. Don't worry, that's expenses <laughs> covered. Um, and uh, do five lengths, and then we'll welcome you in, welcome you into the uh, family of Christ. Um, yeah. I couldn't do the five lengths. Um, I'm not a very Fine. strong. Is that like I'm no not longer a Catholic. I'm not, I'm not a very. Uh, you know, it's, it, people often don't. They don't know this about the Catholic Church, but you need to be a strong swimmer. Yes, um, it's very important because Moses isn't around to part the Red Sea anymore. So you've got to. You got. But it is. It is uh, very convenient for the for the Catholic Church that there is no way to leave it. Like this you can. Is incredibly they true. make it. They make it very Unless. easy to to join. Unless, well, you unless, excommun- unless you excommunicated, unless you as you say, unless you become excommunicated, yes. But they're very reluctant to do that. Um, yes. I mean, God knows I've tried. <laughs> <laughs> very funny. Very, 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 um, very Witty. droll. Thank yes, you. droll. That's what I'm that. aiming for. So British, British, British things. That's a horrible <laughs> history song. Um, so, it, I, so horrible histories. Um, they, they had literally they, had an entire segment, didn't they? they that yes, was like, they, they shine a light. This on, thing that you think yeah. is British is actually definitely not British. Definitely. So you know, a cup of a cup of tea is Indian, <laughs> um, and the sugar you know picked originally picked by you know slaves in another country. Um, butlers, uh, not not uh, originally. Although to be honest, you could you could argue that every single culture has had the the you know the 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 um, the thing of uh, just you have doing, a personal doing the things that yeah. you don't want to do for you. It's yeah. called delegation. Delegation, it's an effective management tool. A a butler <laughs> is literally just the the male version of a maid. They are exactly the same role. Although they usually they traditionally they rank higher because because they are men. male, and that's how the world has traditionally worked. Isn't that isn't that awful? <laughs> yes. Have you not watched Downton Abbey? No, I've not watched Downton Abbey. Um, no, it, it's not, not my cu- it's not my cup of tea, really. Um, <laughs> you said that as are you going to start a conversation about Downton Abbey then? I li- well, I have started a conversation about Downton it's, Abbey. It's well, one of the about. yeah. It's one of the few the things. Of. It's one of the few things I don't think I can talk about. Apart, I'll comment. I'll just comment. On, I'm sure on, you. I'm sure you have something to say about on it. Dame, this... On Dame Margaret Smith's um, range as an actor, um, spanning yes. from. Professor McGonagall, all the way through f- um, that woman in that other film, to um, <laughs> oh yeah, to Down- one of my <laughs> to, to Downton Abbey. Um, no, no, she's uh, she's brilliant. Have, have you noticed she's, that um, she's quintessentially British as well? She is say. quintessentially British. Yes, Along although with, some people uh, would argue against that because she's Scottish. Yeah, but it, you know, all right, Judy Dench. <laughs> are you? Uh, wait, whoa, 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 whoa! Are you saying what? that Scotland isn't part of? No, I'm Britain? not saying that. I'm just saying that that there is a a faction of people who uh, said that the the example the example that is always cited is Andy Murray, who until he won Wimbledon, he was a Scottish tennis player. <laughs> Once he had won Wimbledon, he was a British tennis yeah. player. Yeah, that's that's what I mean by that. That's yes, I think very. Judy Dench is uh, Judy Dench is better than 
Professor McGonagall in that in that in that case. Then you can't even, you can't even remember her name. <laughs> uh, uh, what's what does Judy? De- oh yeah, that's Judy Dench. Um, I was just trying from, to put a picture from James Bond. From James Bond, she is she she's quintessentially British for, I think her her voice because she has that received pronunciation, uh, that you know, taught very proper. Uh, you know, tone of 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 of, of speaking. Uh, yeah, where doing it. it's okay. I was just I was just exemplifying it. Um, I think um, everyone knows what Judy Dench sounds like. Okay, well now now if you didn't know now you know. Um, Isn't I, she northern though? I'm pretty sure she's northern because she mm. there's a there's a road named in York named after her in York. There is. Then James, again, there's, yeah. a, there's a road in Normanton called Queen Elizabeth Drive. And she's um, definitely not from Normanton. She is <laughs> from the north. Nice. Can you imagine? Well, you know, there, there must be someone in Normanton who is, you know, less than one thousandth in line to the throne. I've I've always I've always found it funny about like people people who dedicate things to people, and they 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 do the dedication on the assumption that that the thing that is being named after a person is like very important. But but I always think like the people who have like diesel locomotives named after them. <laughs> Must must surely just prefer for that not to happen. Yeah, like, I, don't, I, why, I do not. Why yeah. put my name on a on this great big ugly polluting, ridiculous diesel locomotive? What as in like a like a northern? Yeah, like a northern rail train kind of thing. Oh, right. Pe- so not like people... a nice like nice like steam. Engine. No, there's no such thing as a nice diesel locomotive. Well, that's, yeah, that's true. Peter feels very strongly about this. S- steam or nothing. I remember there was a time where, where before you found it essential, you would refuse to go on diesel trains. I just, I just don't like them. I think they're very ugly, and I think, I think steam trains. Whoa! Are... Have you, have you seen the Azuma? It, okay, yeah, that that is a well designed. That is vehicle. a a beautiful piece yeah. of craftsmanship. And I tell you what, the bullet train, um, with uh, with the fastest fastest train in the world, which that was designed. Um, after a kingfisher, as the, the bird. bird, the bird, kingfisher, because a kingfisher is the perfect diver. Um, and basically, an engineer noticed he was sort of on on the tracks one day, and near a pond or whatever, saw a kingfisher dive into the water, and he noticed that at, there was absolutely no splash, which means that the beak is incredibly hydrodynamic and therefore very aerodynamic, and so he just thought. Hey lads, we're trying to king- make a diving train. Yeah, that kingfisher over there. <laughs> let's just let's just let's just make like the, the train look like that. that. That sort of shape is synonymous with good aerodynamics, though. So why would it not have been done before? I don't. Re- I, well, I, I, aerodynamics. You say is, that. Is, yeah, it's a very complicated thing. Yeah, so, but like, well, obviously, the- like something that's got a pointy front is going to break the air better than something that's got a square front. Yeah, the the like constraint a, like a has always train. been. How can you how can you fit all the the bits for the engine in and yeah. stuff like that? You can't like the most aerodynamic shape possible is just a flat surface, but that obviously you can't do that because you have to put stuff inside it and people inside it and things like that. So any any shape that is not just a, a, a sheet of paper essentially is compromised uh, aerodynamically. So you it's, can, yeah. it's about it's about optimizing for for things as well aerodynamics might be one problem you're trying to solve but you also have to figure out where to put everything which is why most steam trains were not aerodynamic and they had that cylindrical shape some steam engines were built to be aerodynamic the the um the fastest steam locomotive the mallard um, which was what well, yes um yes. mallard which was a class a4 steam locomotive point to me uh is shaped in a semi in a kind of aerodynamic way in that it has like a sloping front piece um and and there there are a few other examples of some some steam engines which were designed in that way but most of them they didn't bother the, wasn't the mallard designed to break the land speed record i don't know possibly because it did for a time didn't it it was the fastest thing on land i've seen mm. The Bloodhound SSC, which is a car that goes. Have like, you? Yeah, oh. so I went on a school trip to see, um, like where they made it, um, and it is absolutely massive. Like, you look at pictures of it. If you have a look at a, a picture of it, it kind of just looks like a, 
you know, like a normal size car, but it's on mm. the size of a bus. Like really? And it's yeah. If if you have a look at a picture of it, I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna look at this. This is this is great radio. Let's great all radio. look at a picture on our phone. No, <laughs> hey, but... uh, you, viewers at home, please um, please Google <laughs> if you're driving, you pull over in your car. If you look at it, you might think like, oh, it's probably like, I don't know, like one and a half times the size of a Formula One car or something. You know, fairly big, but it's absolutely enormous. Oh, it's yes. Like, it's yeah. like the size of a plane. Mad. It's really That's... quite impressive in person. Very impressive. I'm looking at it now. So I imagine there's the bit at the... So there's like, it's it looks like a, a mallard from the front. Uh, looks like the bullet train from the front, almost exactly the same shape as the bullet train from exactly. the front. And then it's got a big, big scoop. Big scoop at the end. Um, I imagine that's where all the, because they they have to you have to compromise aerodynamics lightness, but also getting enough power in there from the engine. Yeah, mm. um, I'm pretty sure it's jet fueled or something. Oh yes, I think it, I'm pretty sure it uses a jet engine. Yeah, it's that's cool. crazy. Isn't what it? what's the what's the top speed of Bloodhound SSC? Uh, it says it was trying to break a thousand miles an hour. I think. Uh, that is insane. Can you imagine sure travelling at a thousand miles an hour? So it says it. It says the. When was this article? Seven hundred and sixty-three miles an hour. And and Mallard, uh, the the fastest steam locomotive. Do you know what its top speed was? The the, the speed record that it broke. Six. One hundred and twenty-five miles an hour. Goodness to be me. fair, I couldn't beat that in my Clio, so... I was going to say... <laughs> I'd be surprised if that got to 95. Look, let's, let's, not, let's not disparage plucky French engineering. I like it. I love a Clio. Good yes, little says, cars. You says can, you've never you passed a driving it. test. <laughs> Apparently it was up for sale in 2018, the Bloodhound SSC, when the recently collapsed project failed to achieve 1,000 miles an hour, and it was £250,000. What? That's pretty. That's for a jet-fueled, pretty cheap though, rocket car. Yeah. With all that pedigree, two hundred and fifty grand. For you could buy a quarter of a yeah. You could buy a quarter of a Bugatti Veyron for that. Which I think that's, I prefer, to be honest. Yeah, I'd rather have a Veyron. But oh. yeah, that is surprisingly that. non. That's the kind of thing that like it, it makes it accessible to like. I've been to a land speed um, record museum or something in the Lake District. And I bet that kind of prize actually makes it possible for those yeah. museums and stuff yeah. to actually be able to display that, it to people. If if I, if someone came up to me and said, "Nick, we want to build a land speed record museum," well, where no, where fair, are we going to? Land speed record. It well, was like it was like an engineering speed records. Well, yeah, but so, still, and, and well, obviously there's big lakes in the Lake District, as you might expect. Oh and, yeah, they they use they, a lot of the lakes for those lakes for for water boat. speed testing. I, I yeah. was going to say oh, water speed testing, yeah, because I I thought the Lake District very peaceful, very calm, tranquil, not the kind of place boat you'd expect. Three hundred miles an hour. Three hundred miles an hour down down Lake Windermere. Um, <laughs> no, it's not Lake Windermere. It's just Windermere. It's, yes, because Mere means lake. Yes, um, Lake Windermere is a tautology. You're a tautology. Speak. How many lakes are there in the Lake District? Uh, two, three, three. It's Windermere. All, all of the others are like waters, or Windermere is not one of them. That's oh, is it not? What's, what classifies something as a lake? Is it, is it, if, it's, lake? if it's got if it's got the word lake in its name, then oh, it's a lake. oh, I see. So, uh, so I could call a pond in my back garden and say it's. If no, you, had a, you, if you, you had don't a pond get to decide, garden, Jamie. You're not you're not an authority. <laughs> if I applied in the field, said yes. If it had lake in the name, then do I? So you're gonna you're gonna go through like three or four years of of lake authority training. Get a, like a degree in geography, lakeness, lakeness. <laughs> Get a degree in lakeness. lakeness. I remember there was an absolute outcry, um, few quite a few years, probably about ten years ago now, when uh, whatever the official body was uh, that decides these things reclassified what the required height was for something to be a mountain, oh. and 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 as it happened. It excluded every peak in the United Kingdom, <laughs> um, or maybe maybe just in England. I'm not sure, but yeah, like Scarfell Pike, which is which is the highest peak in the UK, in England, in England. I'm sorry, in England, is no longer officially classified as a mountain. And every time, every time I say this to somebody who's climbed Scarfell Pike, they're like, "No, if you climb it, you know it's a mountain. Yeah, <laughs> it feels like a mountain. Yes." Because it's Indeed. um, because Snowden is definitely that's, a mountain. That's the isn't highest it? in yeah. That's the highest in the 
No, Ben, ben, ben Nevis is ben Nevis, Nevis, yeah, in Scotland. In I'm pretty sure Ben Nevis is still officially classified. Um, here we go. I've got I've got a list of uh, of all the bodies of water in the. Uh... Oh, I'm sorry. I was I was wrong. When there is Windermere. one lake in the Lake District. Oh, we were all wrong it's then. Just, surely it's just the district then at this point. It's, it's the whole thing. It's the, it's the body thing. of water district. Um, and that is Bassenthwaite Lake. Bassenthwaite. All of the others are either waters or mears, or there's one reservoir. Is that Lady Bower? Uh, no, because that's in Derbyshire. Lady Bower it is. is in All the right. district. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I've got I've got my wanderlust set on places other than my own country. Yeah. I've, so I've so examples of oh, examples boy. of some waters in the Lake Districts: Coniston Water, Crummock Water, Derwent Water, uh, etc. And then there's Grassmere, Windermere, Buttermere. But the only one with lake in the name is Bassenthwaite Lake. So there is one lake in the Lake Districts. Yeah. That's one of those disappointing facts, isn't it? <laughs> it's like oh, when you I've learn, been, I've been, and, I've been deceived, and life and life is just a little bit less colourful after knowing <laughs> that. Mm. Yeah, yes. I've, cli- I've climbed two of the top ten highest peaks in England. Wow, Go you. Get you. Which which ones were they? Uh, Great Gable. Yeah, I think I recognise the name. So I recognise sure the name. I might have done that one. And Helvellyn as well. Yeah. I've climbed which Cat I think Bells. is the coolest is the coolest name. Helvellyn. Helvellyn. Excellent of top, name of all the top ten. Sounds sounds very Scandinavian. Yeah. M- possibly named by a Viking. Helvellyn. Yeah. Definitely. Or or a Scot. It might be Scottish as well. Could could be either. It sounds a bit Welsh actually. Vel Helvellyn. The top, the top one is Scaffell Pike, and the second one is Scaffell. Yeah, they're next to each other. Hmm, that makes sense. Yeah. Didn't know that. Oh. Do you know, here's, here's uh, one of those annoying facts. What is the second highest mountain in the world? Uh, Everest. No. What? Everest is the highest mountain in the world. Oh. However, the second highest mountain in the, in the world is an unnamed peak, which is that juts off to the side of Mount Everest and is like a few feet below the below the below the top of Mount Everest. That's rubbish. But it technically counts as the second highest peak in the world. I'm very curious about this because lots highest, of... The second highest peak or the second highest mountain? Does uh, it count as its own mountain? Yeah. Uh, like what, what, what's what's the distinction between a mountain and a peak? Because, okay, I might, I might have meant peak then. Because uh. an, there are a number of, like, um, there, there are a number of peaks in the Lake District, for example, which have, um, like, secondary lower peaks so for example cat bells has to to get to the peak of cat bells yeah. you you go via kitten bells which is a which is a lower Aww. peak I but, know that. but not all of them not all of these secondary peaks have names so i'm i'm curious as to what constitutes an official named second peak well, I don't, don't think any me. of us know the answer to this. Maybe ask it's just QI, just, which just, is where I got it. Um, this is this is a good opportunity actually to plug the fact that if you are listening to this, you can send us a message. You can either type a message or you can send us a voice message that we might play on the podcast, which is very exciting. So, if you know of the the rules around what counts as a mountain or not. Or if you just want to say anything about what what we're saying on the podcast, you can go to anchor.fm. Anchor is in the thing that ties a ship down and stops it from running away. Uh, anchor.fm slash brothers Bryant. That is anchor.fm slash brothers Bryant, and you'll see a big button that says message, and we'll we'll get your message and possibly respond to it. It's very please, exciting. Please do, because as as we said before, this is a show of two uninformed people. <laughs> three, in this case. Um, I'm including you, Jamie, and the uninformed people, because I think you are. You. Um, yeah, well, I didn't know the Queen was German, so... <laughs> you, didn't know that, you didn't know the Pied Piper was German. Um, uh, and and we, love, we love to be informed, so uh, tell us I feel like, I how feel wrong like we are. With the, with the peaks thing, it's just up to like I was going to say discrepancy then, but that is not the correct word. Like it's um, discretion. It's different, it's different in every case because, like, up to yeah. interpretation. Yeah, yeah. I feel like there can't be a, there can't be a way to 
solidly say every time this is a secondary peak this is the primary peak of this mountain this isn't a separate mountain this is a separate mountain do you know what i mean because they're all connected you know it's all it's all you know land yeah so like you could say oh cat bell live on one big mountain Uh, well the sea is involved Um, oh yes the uk by land yeah so you could say like um brighton beach is just the sea point level of Ben Nevis, like you could, <laughs> you could start climbing Ben Nevis from Brighton Beach if you really wanted to, and be like, it was really, really slow, and we had to actually climb over Scarfell Pike in the middle to get there, <laughs> but we climbed Ben Nevis, and the, so actually, then Scarfell, yeah. Scarfell Pike becomes a secondary peak. A secondary peak. You see, it, it's geography. This is why I only got a big at GCSE geography because it just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I think it's open to interpretation. Yeah, it is. If if anyone has any insight into this, I would be genuinely curious because there has to be some there has to be some way of knowing. Like Chloe and I did a did a walk which is called the Fairfield Horseshoe in the Lake District, which is which is a which is a tough walk and you you climb or or you you um you go to the the peak of I think there are five peaks included and they're all named and they're all counted as separate fells, separate hills in the Lake District. But you don't have to go all the way down to valley level every time. There's like a there's like a ridge that connects all five and it's it's a horseshoe shape. Mm. Hence the name the Fairfield Horseshoe. One one of the peaks is called Fairfield. So I'm curious as to why Kitten Bells is has has a a sub peak status and is not is not a is not a mountain or a hill in in its own right but the five peaks on the fairfield horseshoe are all independent and sovereign maybe I'm curious about the rules surrounding i imagine that. i imagine at at each sort of time period in history there was a set of rules and obviously, the further back, because people have been discovering peaks for years and years and years. Um, so some of them will have names because it's like folklore and they were discovered like hundreds of years ago. There was no off, like regulating body to be like, excuse me, that's not a mountain. There was no one around. Two feet below mountain state. Yeah. <laughs> there was no one around to be like, so the locals just think, yeah, that's that's the mountain. That's its little brother. That's its big brother. And, you know, that that sort of stuff. But then as the years go on, actually and regulating you know people start climbing these mountains or whatever people actually go right uh yeah we think that's one but that one doesn't count and over the years the rules have changed but maybe not not um it's not been standardized throughout history if that kind of makes mm. sense which is which is maybe why there's a lot of confusion it's the the clash of um bureaucracy and folklore the opposite and of bureaucracy. The opposite <laughs> of bureaucracy. Chaos. Yeah. chaos. That's that's how I describe geography. Chaos. Um, I'm so glad I didn't do geography. I almost, it was, almost as if nobody planned it. Wow, yeah, exactly. Tectonics. You know, uh, destructive, constructive um, uh, uh, plate boundaries. Um, magma. And... and Yes, these you are. You've said a collection of words, <laughs> all to do with geography. Thank you for your contribution. You're very welcome. That be <laughs> that be wasn't wasn't wasted um, at GCSE. That was a waste of a year. <laughs> what GCSEs? Remember... Yes, because I national qualifications. Because I only took one year of GCSEs. No, no, my, no, I know my, my my I did all right in my GCSEs, but I I I think the percentage of knowledge that I use, the percentage of knowledge and skills that I use today that I learned from my GCSEs is probably less than 10%. I reckon I'd say. it's higher than you think. I agree with that, Jamie. Considering how much we're talking about things that aren't a particularly high level, like stuff to do with history and geography, and how when we're talking about numbers, you know, you've got to learn to count, you've got to learn to speak at some point, and, yeah. and write and read. And you can't. Really did you did you only do that is. at did you only do that at GCSE? Yeah, my primary school wasn't so great. So, <laughs> <laughs> but you you make a very good point. None of us ever not none of us remember the process of learning to read or learning to count or learning. Our, I, I vaguely remember learning my times tables. I remember I'm st- I'm... the first three the first three 
Um, wow, I don't know any words. <laughs> what are they called? Descri- describe them. You know when you go two, four, six in a times sequence, tables. the first three terms of right. the two times table, and learning the fourth one, I was like, whoa, that is crazy. As if it's eight. <laughs> that is Dis- mental. Discovering numbers beyond oh, six. It was wild. What a day. Wow. It was crazy. That that's day. that's a significant turning point in every in every young person's life. Yeah. But but none of us none of us remembered learning those fundamental skills like learning to walk. Mm. But but we use those skills every day. We and do. So so I think, Nick, you're probably taking your high school education for granted inadvertently there. <sighs> Sorry. Yeah. Be more grateful to those those teachers. I am grateful to many of them. Um <laughs> not by sounds of it. Uh, uh, I'd I'd like to personally thank my physics teacher, Mr. Pinder. <laughs> he was also Peter's physics teacher. He was. Uh, he was brilliant. He was. Also, a, a, a York York University alum. Is he? Yeah, he I did his. He did his. I think he got a master's degree. Uh, from didn't from he? York. Didn't he invent some kind of device, like for his uh, for his thesis or something, like a, a machine oh, that could the, identif- um, identify the elements in a in a given substance. That sounds pretty cool. I thought you were yeah. going to talk about the electric rolling pin, um, which Tell would be me about the electric rolling pin. Well, I it's an idea. I've, it's an idea I've just had, but it, it, right. Let's let's just <laughs> let's just let's just blue sky this just for a second. <laughs> so you have, rolling you have rolling pin. Four minutes. You might want to copyright this before. Yeah. Okay. Uh, if you're watching yeah, this, you, you have a habit if, of having ideas live on air and then just <laughs> sharing them with if, the world. If you if you're listening, don't don't copy this. Um, because rolling pins, right? It you know for for bakers, it's a very it's a it's a a core tool, right? Uh, and it requires a lot of effort. I don't know if if you've ever rolled out puff pastry, but it's it's a it's a long process because you have to fold up the pastry, roll it out, then fold it again, then roll it out, put it in the fridge, then come roll it out. It's a very long and intensive process. Imagine I'm Peter Jones, right? In Dragon's Den, this picture's right. taken too long. I'm sorry. I'm so, what, I hate. To, I hate it? to break it to you. But I'm, I want. I'm trying to invest in this product. What's What's your turnover? Um, turnover. That's, <laughs> that's a, it's a baking product. <laughs> um, um, and it's 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 very. Um, <laughs> that is an awful joke. Um, oh no! I'm uh, I, that I left. Yeah, I'm not. I'm very happy. Um, and it it's very exhausting because you're just going backwards and forwards. But it's very very uh, taxing on the on the wrists. I think I think we understand the market need. Okay, here okay, okay, okay. Set out. So what 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 would be great is if you had some kind of a rolling pin and it, it was attached to some kind of cradle, and you put your whatever needed to be rolled out um, on on the bottom of the cradle, and then you pushed a button, and the rolling pin would go along some kind of uh, two tracks in the wall that would kind of hold the ends together, and it just go backwards and forwards. And it would apply some kind of, and all you'd have to do, you could, this could either be doing electronic, like um, uh, mechanically, or you could do it yourself. All you'd have to do is is push down gently on the rolling pin, and it would apply that downward pressure. And I think this 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 could be installed in in any kitchen. Um, <laughs> and I think th- the unit price would be forty nine ninety five. I have to I have to be honest. I think I think there are a couple of problems here. Okay. Uh, I think you've vastly overestimated the size of your market. Well, um, I don't care if it helps one person, then I've I've done my job. And and I think you've vastly you you've vastly <laughs> underpriced it at forty nine ninety five. Underpriced at, at, at the volume you can expect to sell this product at, you are not going to be able to scale it sufficiently to price it at fifty pounds. You need to be selling this for two hundred pounds. Two hundred pounds is sell my it estimation. Sell it as a boutique item. Yeah, <laughs> proper premium to, to people like you, right? Because people I think play, I, I you, you, you knew the problem in very great detail. It almost, almost impressed hey, me that you really need this product. I've <laughs> rolled out a lot of pastry in my time. No, you have I, not. I did it. I did a GCSE in food tech. I was rolling out pastry every single day. Um, we had to for our exams. We had to memorize all four different types of ways of making pastry and all the ratios for all the recipes. How did you um, manage? Uh, to, to be honest, the volume of knowledge you have to have to pass your GCSEs is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Like, I, I think I did 26 exams in my GCSEs. I think I did about that as well. Yeah, yeah not like all 26 different subjects. But the, the, and you know, have like June blocked out with exams. And for a week, I mean, obviously, you don't have to remember to have passed the exam. But for like the Monday, I have to know 
everything about physics that I've learned in the last three years on this day. And you have to be expected to carry that through for a month. I remember getting a uh, like a divot on my finger and a callus where I was where my pen sat from writing for like the the four weeks I had exams. And Jamie, wouldn't it be great if you'd had an electric pen to do that for you? <laughs> oh dear, I I do think that look looking back on it, <clears throat> I I didn't work exceptionally hard during my GCSEs or my A levels or at uni, um, <laughs> <laughs> but. But I, but I, I do think that um, it is the 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 most under pressure my brain has ever been. Definitely is is doing doing exams, and it it gets <clears throat> like the 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 format of uh, an academic exam is just such a such a unique thing in the in the real world it doesn't the, you, you are never ever <clears throat> going to be in the situation again where you are going to have to sit in an exam and recall all that information by heart because there's yeah. never going to be a benefit to that for someone who yeah. is actually issuing that e- yeah. exam if that were to happen so so like for for me i remember doing so, so, so my pr- professionally now i am a software engineer i spend my days, seven hours a day, writing code uh, and, and building apps. And I did a computer science degree, and obviously we had programming exams at, at, at university where they would sit you um, in a in a. They called them computer labs to make them sound more like scientists, but it was just a room with computers in it. Um, so they would they would sit us all in a lab. And we would each get a computer and we'd get like a secure login that didn't have internet access. You couldn't access the documentation for the language that you were using. And it was just like, implement this in Python without any external reference or That's guidance so or anything like that. And it's like, we, we, we all came out and, and I was like, look, if I was if I was asked to do this as part of my job, the first thing that I would do is open the documentation, Google some solutions, and like research it, and and use my brain to actually figure out the problem, and not cram in pointless information that could just be stored externally to my brain on the internet or in the documentation. Like the the number of times during my during every single day where where I use a function in my programming. In, in, in a program that I'm writing uh, that two minutes beforehand I could not tell you what the purpose of that function was, I couldn't tell you how to use it, I couldn't tell you whether it existed or not, but like two minutes ago I was like, I need to do a particular thing, what's the best way of doing that quit Google, done that is how that's, that is how real life works and that's, that's like part of the skills of your job as well, being able to yeah. actually find a solution that's efficient easy to implement, easy to change yeah, not As just the one that you can remember. The the first one that you think of. Yeah, it's it's not very. It doesn't make much sense. The only the only application I can see for it in like, because I did computer science A level, is in exams where you have to recall how certain algorithms work, so like a pathfinder mm. algorithm. I understand that because that's fundamentals of different data structures and stuff like that. Yeah, but in a situation where it says like make a scoreboard for a game. There's not one algorithm to do that, or there's not one thing that you should use to do that. Yeah, there's so many different ways to do it, so you might as well just find the best one rather than. Yeah, it, I I I also think it's valid in like safety or time critical fields, like you know, paramedics, for example, should be able to treat somebody at the scene in good time by remembering the stuff that they need to remember yeah, like a, param- a paramedic shouldn't have to google things <laughs> that that's like it's let, me, let me just let me just wiki how how do you get yeah. a heart beating again <laughs> sorry just one you... yes like that that kind of thing it's definitely reasonable to set an exam that is time limited you don't have access to external resources you can't google things like that is that is good because it tells you something about their ability to to do the job that they're being trained to do a programming exam where you can't access documentation or google things is just doesn't tell you anything about a student's ability as a programmer just as a as a memory exercise just as yeah, yeah just as somebody and who couldn't who's memorized things yeah. so i'm 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 still studying for a, for a degree so i'm not in a, in a job yet but i do a, a maths 
master's degree. And I've stopped, because obviously at GCSE, if, if a teacher would write, this is the formula for uh, the volume of a cone. And I would go home and I would spend the entire evening memorizing the formula for the volume of a cone. Now what I'd do is I would remember that, oh, I was told today there is a formula for the volume of a cone. So I know that I can calculate that and I can just Google it going, volume of a cone, please. So I've, I've learned not to memorize. One volume, please. One volume. <laughs> um, and that's actually the volume of a cone is very useful. I use it quite a lot. Um, but uh, I've, I've stopped memorizing what and started memorizing how. So I know what I can do and I know that there is information available. And I, so I, I'm much better now at going out and finding the pieces to solve a problem mm. um, rather than sort of having a load of information in my head and I don't know how to connect it. Mm. Um, and which is why I'm very grateful that COVID has caused open exams because I can now have all the notes that I've tirelessly made. And there is a, you know, the notes are now not just for revision purposes, but also for, you know, uh, finding purposes. How, how good are yeah. my notes? Which is, um, which is how people use notes in real life. It's like, yes, oh, yeah, I, need, I, I, I would it... like to remember something. I'll make a note of it. <laughs> I hope it serves as an exercise to universities as well and educational institutes. Like, people do better on exams and write, learn more when when you take notes and when it's an open exam and you can look at your notes and they write better write better answers than when you memorize something because you've got the ability yeah. to actually think about what you're saying rather than just thinking right what what did she say on this day what did she say on this day you've yeah. got it in front of you you can say i know exactly what i'm talking about so i can talk about it to the best of my ability like how many times have you been in an exam and the question said it's been like a six or you know high a very high mark question i'm using math as an example and you know that the first part of that question you need to know a certain formula you can't remember the formula but if you did know it you would know how to do the rest of that question yeah that yeah. is not a realistic situation in life it puts puts artificial blockers in in place and it does. doesn't doesn't tell you anything about that student's ability to think critically or do any of that yeah. And I've got other. Th- I've got employers actually value. Yeah, I've got better things on my mind. Yeah, you know, I've got games and uh, <laughs> fun things. Living your creative life. I'm I'm busy coming up with ideas um, to patent. Go on Dragon's Den. Um, I don't need to I be. Don't think, I don't think you just spend your time doing that. I don't think okay. it's productive. Okay. <laughs> okay, chaps. <laughs> it's been it's been fifty two minutes, Jamie. It's been a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much, Jamie. Uh, again, if you uh, if you have been listening and you're interested in sending us a message or a comment, you can you can go to anchor.fm slash brothers bryant and you can send us a message. You can also subscribe to us and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. That would be that would be wonderful as long as it's a five star review. Don't give only us only five star, star review. reviews only. Only five stars. Thank you, everyone. See you next week. Bye bye.